When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, Dion. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Hello there, and it's the analyst inside cricket, Simon Mann and Simon Hughes here. Simon, you've been here all day watching a bit of a revival from England. I've had a slightly alternative day, actually. I was at the Hay Literary Festival yesterday interviewing... None, none other than Henry Blofeld and then Mike Brearley. Talk about a double act. One guy who doesn't need any interviewing at all. Henry just off he goes, off his long run, and that's it. And I barely got a word in edgeways. And then a much more sort of intense and slightly more... Uh, a bit more cere- cerebral. cerebral yeah. A slightly more cerebral uh, inter- experience interviewing Mike Brearley about captaincy and on form, which is his new book. And England were on form a bit today. I was listening to a lot of the morning session on the radio, actually, driving up from Hay. It's an amazing place, Hay Festival. It's got this sort of all these tents. It's like a mini Glastonbury in the middle of the countryside, but for literary people rather than rock stars and, and rock fans. Anyway, I drove up and listened to your dulcet tones on the way up, and England obviously had an excellent morning and afternoon session, and actually have, have finished it off pretty well. 106 for two, after bowling Pakistan out for 174, they couldn't have hoped for any better, really. Well, it's like the Lord's Test all over again, except that it's a different team that are in control of the game. Pakistan rolling the night for 180-plus at Lord's and then batted with enough discipline to get themselves into a winning position. England haven't quite done that yet, but they did bat with enough discipline to resist the Pakistan new ball bowl. It's a really soft dismissal of Alistair Cook just before the close. I mean, one of those dismissals where you go back to the change room, you just ah. You had like an act of that. It was all loopy bouncer down Strangled. the leg side. Horrible, horrible way to get out. Just given Pakistan a slight opening into the game, but I mean, from here, I mean, the, you feel as if the game is, you know, the course of the game is set. You know, England do exactly to Pakistan what Pakistan did to England at Lords. Yeah, and and there has been a different mindset, hasn't there, about the way they played? I mean, there's, there was a lot of fairly vehement criticism about England's performance at Lords, and most of it was justified. And I think, most of it. What about all of it? Well, maybe all of it. But <laughs> but I think that it, it's it's about mindset as as much as it is about technique. And you look at what England did today; they obviously came out with a plan to bowl fuller. Firstly, and secondly. They came out with a plan when they batted to sell their wickets more dearly and be a little bit more circumspect in the first hour and a half or so, not go for wild drives, play the ball a little bit later under their nose. I thought I was very impressed, actually, with the way that all the batsmen, even Alistair Cook, 
who loves his routine, batted out of their mm. crease to Mohamed Abbas and actually got down the pitch and put him off. And he was completely ineffective today. So it was a mindset change by England as much as it was a technical change, one or two different personnel. Keaton Jennings coming in for the strokeless Mark Stoneman. And it's, it's been a great day for England. Yeah, they're, they're in control of the match. I mean, even, you talk about the sort of game being sort of the mirror opposite, is it the mirror image or the mirror opposite of the one we had at Lords? So Imam al Haq out early on with a horrible drive outside the off stump, you know, a bit like Joe Root was, you know, dis- dismissal at Laws. That sort of set the tone for Pakistan. Not for one in the second over. The ball did enough. I mean, it really did. I just wondered about the, the toss. I mean, you, you, you were driving up from your literary festival. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the toss, well, I, I was a bit surprised when Pakistan decided to bowl. It, it was one of those. I mean, it was a bit like Laws. It was sort of tantalising, really. I mean, and that, in a way, we, we said it. Uh, after the first day at Lords, it's it's great when you get to the toss when you think you're not quite sure as a captain what, what you should do. In a way, that's the that's the perfect toss. In other words, the grounds with the conditions, everything is, you know, it, it, it's set up for a, a toss that creates indecision. I think that's almost perfect way to start a cricket match, and that, that's what it felt like this morning. It had been, you know, overcast, and it brightened up a bit, but it's headingly. It was muggy. It, it it actually felt like quite a good bowling morning. I think when England were in the field, would they have been that disappointed? I'm not, I'm not sure they would have been. No, and that, what you want is that slightly heavy sort of feeling in the clouds. It doesn't necessarily matter whether it's humid or not, actually, as I've tried to prove before. <laughs> it's all about sunshine or clouds blocking out the light and therefore stopping the radiation and the heat rising. But in a way, even if it is clammy, the bowlers just have that bit more optimism about the situation, yeah. and I think you run in with a bit more purpose and a bit more expectation of taking wickets. The ball, you try and really work at it to keep it in, in pristine condition. England, it's a bit of a mixed bag, I think, bowling-wise. Broad clearly tried to pitch the ball up much fuller, and he got the rewards. Anderson, I think, just struggles to, to pitch the ball up, and some bowlers do. When he first started as a, a test bowler, you know, 2003, 2004, he pitched it up and he tried to bowl these big, booming swingers. Some of them were half volleys, some of them went for four, some of them got wickets. And it was really exciting, but in a way it was quite expensive, or it could be. He's changed over the years, and now he bowls a much more conservative length generally. He's still got the, the wonderful fingertip control, swinging the ball both ways, but he generally doesn't like to pitch the ball too full for fear of being driven or clipped through mid-wicket. And actually, for certain bowlers, it's quite hard adjusting your natural length. And it it might sound odd, this. I mean, people think that the bouncer is the effort ball. For some bowlers, actually, the full ball is the effort ball because you've actually got to get it up there a bit further without bouncing. And that requires a a different body position. And, you you know, that's a mindset thing as well. But it's about getting all your muscles and, and your rhythm and your timing just slightly different but you don't want to bowl bowling full tosses. It's only a tiny adjustment, but actually it does make you feel different as a bowler. And sometimes certain bowlers, when they try and pitch it up, they float it. Stephen Finn is one. Angus Fraser used to be one, actually. And we used to, to wind him up about it. Go, Come on, you know, stop bowling those loopy half follies and things. And he'd get very grumpy and go back to his normal length. And Anderson is a bit like that as well, I think, when he tries to bowl full nowadays because he's so set in, in that sort of certain length that he bowls, it, it, ton- it can float out. And he just has, has difficulty adjusting. And that's why I think he was ineffective in the morning session. He then ended up bowling too wide, didn't he? And I mm. think none of his yeah. balls in that first spell would have hit the wicket. Yeah. And I think, actually, in those really swingy conditions, 
bowl at the stumps. And it doesn't matter if you get clipped for the odd four. Maybe set a field with mid on square leg, mid wicket, you know, for the one that's on the leg stump and just make them play. And they're going to get edges. They're going to get leading edges. They might get the odd four, but it doesn't matter because they'll probably get wickets with it. Yeah, Anderson didn't take a wicket in, in the morning session. And Broad clearly out-bowled him. Actually, the, the wicket, the first wicket he did get was a ball that was pitched up and Sarfash tried to clip him through mid-wicket and oh. bowled off his pads. Yeah. So he, he was able to... And then to... he got an LBW, didn't he, with a beautiful swinging delivery into the left-hander. So uh, it, it, it's just... You've got to attack the stumps in situations like this. The master of bowling in these conditions was, for Yorkshire fans, Arnie Sidebottom, who just ran in from the bottom end, the football stand end, and he just kept plugging away and trying to hit the stumps. He had that screeching sort of LBW appeal, which was bad enough to make you want to walk off, even if you weren't given out. And he just you know, he just hit the pads and he hit the top of the off stump, and that's what you've got to aim for. Broad did it very well, Anderson didn't so well. Having I mean, said that, look at their figures. They're almost identical. Anderson, 15 over 6 maidens, 3 for 43. Broad, 15 over 6 maidens, 3 for 38. So they, they have a way, don't they? I mean, you know, Anderson has his way and Broad has his way, which is a slightly different way today. I mean, Anderson gets quite grumpy about this, though, doesn't he, when people say, oh, you've got to pitch it up more, you've got to pitch it up more. He basically says, well, hold on a second, just go and have a look at my... My figures. My figures, my test. I'm about to become, I'm you know, on yeah. the verge of becoming the most successful mm. scene bowler in the history of Test match cricket, you know, it's, it, in a way, the stats are a bit of a two fingers to to people who criticise them. Can't, as we know, with with Ian Botham, who used to come <laughs> out with that, you know, how many weeks have you got? I got three hundred and eighty three, kind of thing. You haven't got to come back to Anderson at all. He is supreme as a, the fast bowler who will overtake Glenn McGrath eventually. Supreme for his control and actually his longevity and his mm. stamina, which is just incredible. Yeah, well, exactly. People say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's bowled more than anybody else. You know, he's bound to get lots of wickets. Well, no, I mean, staying on the park is, is a feat in itself. And I mean, look at Alistair Cook, actually. 154 that. yeah. matches in a row, no. more than anyone else in the history of, of Test match cricket. And people say, oh, he just, you know, he grinds it out match after match. I mean, the actual physical effort mm. of being on the field for 154 games and is the remarkable. mental effort yeah, as well. Mental effort. You know, yeah, the devotion to the crease yeah. and devotion to your profession and to your team and still being willing to turn up and practice. I've been watching him in practice and he's still totally dedicated. I mean, someone will work out how many hours he's been on the field in his life. It, it's just, I, I don't know, it's, it's total abstinence. He practices... And he should be a Tibetan monk or something, really, shouldn't he? What about the makeup of, of England's team for this Test match? You know, in a way, it might not matter. They, they feel as if they're in control of the game. If they bat reasonably well on the second day or, or bat very well, they'll be in complete control of the match. They'll have a, a decent first innings lead, and then the pressure will be on Pakistan, like it was on England in the third innings of laws. What about the makeup of the team? We mentioned, you know, the big two, Anderson and Broad, six for eighty-one from their thirty overs. Tom Curran with Sam Curran. So, yeah, Sam Curran. And that, that's, actually the, that's actually quite an interesting mistake. mistake because when, when I saw initially slip. Curran, Curran called up for the test, I just assumed it was going to be Tom. I didn't even think Sam Curran at all. And then you had to look a bit close at the press release. Oh, Sam Curran has been called up, 19 years of age, who did take 10 wickets in a match against Yorkshire. But anyway. And, course, and, and he clean bowled Joe yeah, Root in that game, which I can, is always a good thing to do. Yeah, get, get, the get rid of captain. the England captain yeah. just a couple of weeks before the test series. But the other two, Wokes, who's not had a great deal of red ball bowling this year, very little in fact, hasn't taken a, a Red Bull wicket this year until uh, it took three today. So he hasn't had a you know, huge amount of first-class bowling. And, and Curran, between them, 18.10 was one maiden, four for 
88. So mm. a big difference between the between the two, as you'd expect. They're two, you know, two class bowlers against two bowlers who are. Well, you know, Chris Wokes is a damn good bowler. I, I don't think that Sam Curran's a Test bowler. I mean, I know he's only 19; he'll be 20 on Sunday. But I don't think he'll get a lot of wickets in Test cricket. He might get a bit quicker. He needs to, but uh-huh. I don't think. It, I, I just don't think he'll be penetrative enough to take wickets in Test cricket because he's only short and he doesn't actually really use his body very much. He's a bit of an arm bowler. And I know he swings the ball, but unless he swings it quite late, he's going to be innocuous on on Test pitches. Uh, You know, he's a handy cricketer. He's obviously quite aggressive. He's got a lot of confidence. That's good to see. But I, I just don't think he's going to trouble batsmen too much. The only That's thing is... That's a big call. It's a big call to make thing, about a bowler who's only 19 I, years I of age. I know, but I, I think that where he might be effective is on the subcontinent because he'll be able to swing it and reverse swing it on dry pitches. And because he hasn't got a lot of height and he's just got a sort of skiddy pace, he might be quite effective at LBWs and bowls in somewhere like Sri Lanka. I can't see him being that effective in England, actually, because I just don't think he's got either the height or quite the pace. If he develops the pace, yeah, maybe. Well, one of my hunches about Sam Curran is is only a hunch, that he might actually turn into an excellent batsman, that his batting might go past his bowling. So he actually turns into a batting all-rounder rather than a a bowling all-rounder. I think they have big hopes for him at Surrey that his batting will improve. He's been a bit flaky this season. We actually saw him yeah. play once at the Oval, didn't we? And yeah. he, he, he's playing too many shots too early. I think in the end he was caught at mid-off off Liam Dawson. He played one big shot too many. But they, they pushed him up the order. They're batting him at seven this season. That They want to give him that opportunity to, to show... Well, to improve basically, mm. but he is only nineteen, you know, twenty during this yeah. test match. I mean, it, it, I think that his problem, in a way, is that he, you know, he's been around for two or three years now. That everyone's expecting a lot of him, but he, you know, he's he's not even twenty yet, which is you know, for an England cricketer, that's re- remarkably young, isn't it? I mean, other countries are, are bloody cricketers or tend to blood cricketers at a younger age. For an England cricketer, that's, that's extremely young. Well, I think he's the seventh youngest yeah. Yeah. cricketer to play for England. Yeah. I'd, Obviously, it's a great opportunity. I don't think he's going to get a lot quicker, actually, because mm. he's not someone who's going to suddenly grow another four inches or get suddenly fill out particularly. He's, he's quite a, a slim frame, and you, know, you, you, you can probably add a couple of miles an hour, but I don't think substantially much. But, yeah, obviously, if he becomes a very good batsman, then having that left-arm variety mm. and being able to swing the ball is invaluable. But I don't think he'll be able to rely on his bowling alone no. in test cricket. But I, I do think he'll be a very, very good cricketer. Yeah, He's, he's made ten half-centuries already before the age of, of 20. I mean, that, anyway, we'll have a look at his batting. Monitor his batting yeah. and see where it is in, in two or three years' time. It might well be that the, the batting... Outstrips the bowling. I mean, yes. I mean, the, the most famous example of that happening, I suppose, is someone like Kevin Peterson, who was essentially a, an off spinner who batted and then turned into a you know a tremendous world class batsman who, who barely bowled. I suppose you know in a, in a sense that might be a different type of pl- cricketer, obviously, but in a sense that might be the the goal for Curran in the future. What about I mean, Curran coming in though, and Wood out yeah. of the side. Yeah. You know, Curran's come in from nowhere. And, and Wood, he's thinking, well, I played the last Test match and I, I've been jettisoned. I mean, you know, in a sense, it's Wokes for Stokes yeah. and Curran su- for suddenly Wood. Curran for Wood. Yeah, which it's a bit harsh on, on Mark Wood and I wouldn't have liked to have been the person who had to go and explain that to him because it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. He bowled well at Laws and didn't have much luck and 
I'm sure what he's desperate to do is have a run of games. Yeah. It must be quite... Well, he gets two safe. games. The batsmen, the yeah. batsmen yeah. get about you know half a dozen, ten, well, 11, and, and, 13. And there's no whatever. test match till late, eight, yeah. August the 3rd or 2nd or something. So he's it, it, got a long wait to play again. And there's a lot of one-day cricket in the middle. So I do feel a bit sorry for him. And I thought England could do with that extra sort of thrust on this pitch. If it gets a bit dry, he'll reverse swing it. Mm. So... He is obviously an asset, but I suppose the the left arm advantage, and of course there is the other thing. If you play for if you if you're playing an off spinner, he does like the footholds of a left arm over bowler to bowl into. Mm. So often you get left arm over bowler working in tandem with an off spinner. That's maybe a little bit of England's thinking as well. And it, I don't know. I mean, who would have guessed, say a week or two ago, that England's middle order was going to be Bearstow? Butler at six, Wokes at seven, and Sam Curran at eight, or Dom- Dominic Bess at eight. Mm. And that you would have won a lot of money if you'd managed to predict that. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Well, that's the nature of, of, you know, that's what happens when teams are struggling, isn't it? Things are, are rejigged, and you, you try and find the right formula. It's actually symptomatic of, of where England are as a Test match team with, with the selectors. It's a bit and, of a tombola, yeah, isn't it? Desperately searching around for the, the right sort of mm. structure to the side. Um, eight matches without a win. Oh, if they don't win here, something will have gone seriously Badly wrong. wrong. I mean, they're very yeah. much in control. Of yeah. This game, what what could go wrong for them? Is that a very pessimistic well, yeah, question to ask? I, I can't see a collapse actually, because I, the, I don't think the Pakistani bowlers looked as dangerous here. They weren't getting that sideways movement which they got at Laws. They haven't got the slope to work with either. There isn't an awful lot of you know real bounce, except a little bit from the Kirkwood lane, and when they kiss the surface and it kind of goes through. But otherwise, it, they don't look as dangerous, and England just looks set. To make a big score, I think the players, the batsmen, have all realised they've got to adapt their game a bit, and they've done it very effectively so far. Keaton Jennings played okay; he, he got through the the early bit. He started to play some nice drives. I thought he looked a little bit front foot happy, and therefore the idea of bowling a shorter ball at him, which he planted his front foot to play, and then had to try and sort of resist with his weight going forwards and got an edge through to the keeper. I thought that just exposed. A slight flaw there. He's not as nimble on his feet as he should be as an opening batsman. But it, it was a it was a decent start. And it, it was better than poor old Mark Stoneman's managed. And he's you know he set the platform now for England to get three fifty four hundred. Yeah. And if they get three fifty four hundred, then it's, it's game the, over. Yeah. It? Well, because that you feel there's always going to be just enough in the pitch. To, to, yeah. And and Pakistan got Safraz at six, who looks in t- shocking nick. Mm. So the huge amount of pressure on the top five for Pakistan. England should win this game by an innings, really. Yeah, well, they've got an excellent chance of, of wrapping it up uh, by a decent margin and in, inside the well inside the distance as well. At the moment, well, Pakistan have got to do something about this. At the moment, it feels like a three-day test match if the weather stays fine, fair. stays fair for the next uh, couple of days. So it's, it's, the ball is in Pakistan's court now if they're to try and wrestle this game away from England after playing so well at Lords. I don't know, perhaps, you know, Lords was... Everything went into that, and it was just the perfect display, and sometimes it's just 
hard to reproduce it next time round. And England were very determined as well. You just sense from Root at the toss this morning and, and talking to us on Test Match Special. Root was you know, really up for it. He, he realised that you know, he, he needed to almost you know, lead from the front, do something. He was actually he took the first catch of the day. And England's catching was a bit better today. One went down, but first, second and third step all caught one today. Yeah, so, and England's attitude today just betrayed a slight complacency in the first test I think and why it needs a, a humbling defeat to sting them into action I don't know but they were stung into action they played excellently and we'll report on their progress tomorrow at the end of the play speak to you then goodbye for now Podcast Network. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.